Hello, everyone. This is your host, Manoj Tandon. Welcome to another episode of Dark Rhino Security, Security Confidential. Today, we have another fantastic guest who really doesn't need an introduction, but we're going to be kind to him and give him one anyways. He is Chris Rock. You guys have probably seen him at DEF CON many a times. He's the author of The Baby Harvest. You know, Chris is a cyber mercenary. He's presented at DEF CON three times. In the, he ha has been in cybersecurity for 30 years. And that kind of tells you the level of experience he had before things were so readily available. He was out there in the field trying to protect organizations, advising governments and private organizations on how to do things right. Chris is passionate about raising the public's awareness of on modern cybersecurity threats and trends, and we are honored to have him. We really want to hear what he has to say. So Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here this early morning in your neck of the woods. Thank you for having me. And a great introduction. You should be my publicist. <laughs> but I got to start off with this. Uh, you know, a, a simple question here, man. Your name belongs to a world, you're famous in cybersecurity, but it belongs to a world famous celebrity out there. How the hell did you get away with this? Like you publish on social media and whatnot. I mean, a lot of times those platforms flag you and they say, hey, you can't use celebrity names. What's the story here? Yeah, so it's, it's actually, it gives me great benefits too. So when I'm checking into a hotel and I get upgrades without even doing anything, just by the name. <laughs> Uh, I, I go through airports really easy until I actually see the photo and do the match. And I go, Chris Rock. And it just puts the security person on the E so that I don't get any questions because they're just in, they're just laughing because they see a white guy going through. Uh, <laughs> I also have the benefit of his middle name is Jay. Um, and my middle name is Jay. So Chris. Oh Rock. my God. Um, <laughs> I get his frequent flyer points on occasions as well. <laughs> well, He's got to be in God mode, so I hope you're not paying for airline tickets. <laughs> no, I, he, every time he does a trip to Europe, sometimes I'll get his flight points. It's like fantastic. It's like I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> and that's that's the thing when you're not cross-referencing and cross-checking and uh, looking and scrutinizing those identities. These kinds of things can happen, but good for you, man. Yeah, exactly right. And that's great. He, fly, he flies first class, so all the better for me. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, there's no way you're getting stuck in the back of the bus. No <laughs> way. No way. <laughs> so, which brings us, I mean, that's a threat to society. But give us, give us your three imminent cyber threats to modern society. I'm curious what your take is on that. Okay, so imminent... For me, cybersecurity, imminent, I'm not going to give you imminent, but I, I'll do it in, in, my, in my definition of an imminent. I think the, the boringest one is cybersecurity shortage, just in terms of skilled staff. And I'm not talking about entry-level security staff, but I'm talking about experienced. And I'm talking 10 years plus in our industry because as a criminal, and I look at this, that there's been a deficiency in staff, which means there's a deficiency in systems, and then all of a sudden you're getting... What's well, probably even worse than having nobody someone who's got no idea who are then setting up systems with you know not much experience and they're making errors so a bit of background on that i'm i was it before i was security so i used to look at the mistakes i made as a guy that didn't know much and then as put my hacker hat on and then i could then just go through it's like oh, i ticked that box because it was easier uh i i didn't encrypt encryption um because it was just it was quick i just wanted to test to see if it worked first and never turned it on because once things work you know don't stuff with something at work so i think that would be my first thing 
Um, and that's what I'd call imminent. That's what we're seeing right now. Second would be AI. I think AI is going to be a huge, and I don't want to sound like an alarmist, and there's a lot of people being alarmist, but as a hacker, I look at AI and think, this is awesome. This is, is going to cause absolute havoc on our industry, absolute havoc to automate things. Um, for example, if I want to set up a private equity firm with banks around me, and that used to be a manual task. So I used to have to, you know, set up a fake website, fake pictures. So, you know, I had to make brochures and I had to make it look real. And that was, you know, that might have taken me three or four weeks to set up. Using AI can then automate that whole function of set up, you know, reciprocating banks, fake banks, um, PE firms, um, legal firms that, you know, vet my PE firm, private equity firm and stuff like that. So I see AI is, is huge from a criminal point of view. And I like it to Bitcoin. When you look at Bitcoin, uh, it started off as Bitcoin was a, a science experiment. It was something created by, you know, we don't know whether it was one person or a group of, you know, MIT okay. engineers or physicists. Right. And There's then it then evolved. There. Yeah. And, and then it, exactly. And, and then it evolved into what criminals used to be used because credit cards and moving money is a pain in the ass, but you could then buy things illegally with Bitcoin or ransoms and stuff like that. And then it moved into the investment world. And that, that, that happened over a period of, you know, 15, 20 years so that we've seen that cycle go from, you know, science to essentially JP Morgan and BlackRock and everything in the, in the, in the middle was criminal. And uh, well, I was just going to say criminal. Um, and we're going to see the same with AI. And we're right at the start of AI. And then we're going to see the criminals take over. And then we're going to see, you know, a functional product thereafter. That would be my number two for, for threats. Now, so give us some, ex you just highlighted an example where you can use AI to create essentially uh, an identity and then validate that identity uh, through a whole bunch of automation. As I was listening to you, you know, let's create a company, then let's, uh, let's verify the company, let's give that company ratings, let's, let's make it seem completely legit, and you're off to the races. But in what other ways? Do you think that especially generative AI is going to come in and make a play before well, we get to that's, the third that's one? Really good. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. So I, I, I'm what you call hyper-focused. So if I see a deficiency with AI, or for me it's a, it's a compliment that make my work easier, then I'll focus solely on that factor. I haven't looked at the other factors, to be honest. That For me, that is the quick auto-click. I've got, like you said, I've got a complete trust model, lawyers, websites, media, reviews, um, automatic phone calls, all that sort of stuff, and, and replies and, and all that sort of stuff. I have not looked at the other side of AI. This would, this is essentially three or four years worth of research that you would have to look at the attack vectors with AI. What, what, That's what do you think? I'm thinking, um, you know, a simple one that comes to mind is captures. I can get uh, generative AI to uh, defeat the CAPTCHAs. You look at the number of processes that that's engaged with, now you just created a gap. Yep, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yep. And yeah, I haven't really model. put a lot of thought. I, I, I really don't think the human imagination has caught up with what the possibilities yeah. here are. You are spot on. You are spot on, and that's why you're going to get you're going to get two. You got three three groups of people. You're going to have people who say AI is not a threat. I can't see it as a threat. You know, you know, it's it's in its infancy, and then you're going to get people who are going to go the other way, like the doomsday says. Um, and then you're going to get the people in the middle. So I, I gravitate to not doomsday, but I see it as a. You asked about imminent threats, and I think that is one of the highest threats that we have.
Yeah, and and I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of talk about, uh, you know, there's a lot of saber rattling on regulation. I'm not so sure that with AI legislation is going to, this genie's out of the bottle, man. I, it's, oh, it's gone. It's, it's the Bitcoin yeah. analogy. It's like, let, let's go with Bitcoin. And you've seen how long that's, they've taken to, to, you know, to wrap some, you know, essentially some security around that by, you know, allowing EFTs and stuff like that. That was a long journey to watch, you know, companies like FTX and all that sort of stuff go broke, um, you know, and then get, you know, uh, Japanese Bitcoin holders, just, you know, everyone's just, you know, hackers stole the money. I think it was Mount, Mount Gox and stuff like that. Like, we've watched that and there's been no regulation uh, at all. Oh, absolutely. So number three. So that was number two. Sorry to take you on a tangent there. No, no, you're right. Um, and 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 the, re- the reason I used uh, I was was imminent, but it's not really imminent. Is quantum computing? I think that's. I think if we can get quantum computing to a state where you and I can use the system, and I'm not saying at home, but I'm saying as a hacker could get into say a university that's trialing quantum computing, and a hacker can then use quantum computing and AI combined. I think that would be huge. Um, and I look for things in history where you get two things combining, where you essentially you, you're not looking. You're looking for a pattern, and I want to see quantum and AI. Uh, essentially, AI's got the jump on quantum. But if you can just envisage 15 years down the track when AI is you know, mature and quantum is is essentially usable, then I think those two together is is, is going to be brilliant for both hackers and um, cybersecurity people. I don't I don't know that it'll even take uh, that long. I mean, if you look at where we came from in the early 80s to today with computational power. Is there any reason to believe that we're not going to see the same kind of acceleration in both AI and in quantum computing? And you know, the interesting thing, Chris, with quantum is if you look at the number of algorithms that depend on the difficulty a computer has to factor, you know, there's no easy way for a computer to to create factors to you know come up with the primes of of numbers a large number multiplied together a yep. very large number i mean that's the foundation of encryption modern day Correct. encryption right but it goes beyond that quantum computing has the ability potentiality to actually render those things extremely obsolete and agree what will that do to all the many processes that depend on it? So, uh, great. In things like the finance sector and stuff like that, with algorithms doing like share prediction and stuff like that. That's right. And I don't know that there's, is there, you're in touch with industry quite a bit. Is there any focus out there on people looking at that already? Other than the, I think the US federal government put out you know, uh, a directive to agencies that should be looking at quantum resistant encryption methods. Yeah. So so, so to answer your question and answer it crudely, everyone just talks shit. So they'll use the words, uh, you know, resistance and all that sort of stuff. But you and I both know that nothing's really happening um, because it's way too early. We can't even get on top of, well, the government can't even get on top of, of, of events of today, like security uh, attack vectors of today, let alone the future. So the, the answer, in my view, is nothing at all. Nothing substantial anyway. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, the technology isn't even accessible for so many people to even try out. 
different methods and, 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 and to see what's going to happen. But I do absolutely believe that probably inside of a decade, 10, 15 years out, that technology will be, it may not be available to us at the desktop. Certainly maybe 30 years out, it may very well be available on a phone or on a desktop. Who knows? But um, it's going to present challenges that we have not seen before. But one thing interesting, when I, you know, when we looked at uh, just some of the things that you've discussed in the past, one common thread that runs through it all is you're looking for, as an ethical hacker, a flaw in a process. You're mapping out processes, and then you're meticulously and systematically interrogating each step of that process to find flaws. Why is it that that same mode of thinking doesn't apply to the defensive side of the equation in companies and organizations today where they should be looking at the type of businesses they conduct and what vectors they may really be vulnerable to and make sure that they're doing their best to design flaws out? Because you still see today breach after breach after breach on a daily basis. At companies that have it's, immense it's cybersecurity departments? That's a great question. And I think it comes down to the way I do my research is I trust nobody. So I, tr I don't trust any statement that's put in front of me. I mean, I was speaking to somebody about private equity firms and we're talking about things like bank bank licenses and SEC and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and someone made the statement to me, but oh, it's SEC regulated. Now, what I hear is SEC regulated. For me, that means nothing. That's just a bunch of words to try to put me off what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So I don't trust a single word that comes out. Well, I don't trust any word that needs, any word that comes out of anyone's mouth or book needs to be, you know, I'll put a legal hat on, it needs to be researched and studied on. Why do you say that? And the reason I say that is you and I go into a bank and they ask you for 100 points of identification, birth certificate, driver's license, and then the person at the back of the counter essentially just ticks a couple of boxes and then all of a sudden you've got a bank account. And and we, you and I were talking off camera about driver's licenses. You know, you, to get a driver's license is, um, you know, to, to to forgery of a driver's license is difficult. But there's a ways around even that. And that's for me, yeah. for someone like that, if I was trying to get a fake driver's license, I wouldn't even bother trying to get a, a fake driver's license. I'd get a real one. So I would get, you know, off off um, off the dark web. I'd go and get us like a Swedish passport, a Swedish. Um, driver's license and then i'll go into the dmv and say hey i mean i'm in your country legally for the next two years give me a driver's license and all of a sudden i have an american driver's license it's the same in australia um so i then didn't get to travel around with a, a real one so go back to your original statement i trust nobody and when someone has it like a tick box that you need to go through like to do a banking license you need to do abc and for me i'll then go through abc and that's how i analyze it you ask why people don't do that i think it's just once someone says something to you, there's, a, there's a, an inherent trust, and I don't trust any anything that's said to me. And, well, and, and I think there's a uh, – and, and disagree with me if you think I, I'm on the wrong track yeah. here, but there's this mentality in our industry that InfoSec is about technology. And there's a huge focus on technology. I mean, you read all the rags and it's always about new products. Gartner's putting out reviews on their quadrants and, you know, analysts are talking about the latest and greatest things. It's rare that you actually hear people talk about process. 
which is at the heart of this conversation. Right. You, you, you're spot on. And, and, and the sense why myself and other researchers are being so successful is no one looks at process. And, and, and don't get me started on the Gartner model. Don't even get me started on the Gartner model. The play, oh, play I, to play we should Gartner trade some notes here. Cause... Oh, my God. <laughs> no, we yeah, should the, trade the, some. The Gartner, yeah. Uh, the Gartner model. For those who don't know the Gartner model is, Chris, you've got a product that you would like in the Gartner review. Pay us $50,000 a year for right. the next three years. We can't guarantee you'll actually be in the Gartner report, but you've got a good chance. I mean, what kind of – we talk about cyber criminals. That is as criminal as you can freaking get. That, that is. And you know what? It's an opportunity. If I'm a well-funded uh, bad actor, maybe I what's why haven't I put out a product? Maybe I should put out a legit product that's completely yeah. got holes out the wazoo for my convenience and get it put in the upper right-hand quadrant of the Gartner Report. 150 grand in the three-year waiting period. Knock yourself out, mate. Go for it. Well, if if I'm knocking over companies for forty million dollars in ransom, one hundred fifty grand doesn't seem that bad. You know, that's just cost no, of doing business. <laughs> you've sold me. It's an investment. It's an investment, and then I can turn throw that switch whenever I want. But it, it really, you know, and I'm dead serious about that. Is that we we talk to so many organizations, and it's almost like. Um, I, I guess something that all our listeners would probably be able to relate to is back in the old days when everybody had a camera, you'd always get the odd guy, you know, what kind of camera do you have? Is Canon better? Is Nikon better? Well, it was never about the camera. Those brilliant images were all about the photographer. It was about process. It had yeah. very little to do with the device in their hand. You could take the greatest photographer, give them a pile of shit camera, and they would produce brilliant art. Um, yeah. right. It's the process. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, spot on. And, and you look at like you look at all the uh, cybersecurity conferences now, which there's you know essentially there's three hundred, four hundred, five hundred per year. There's people doing great talks, but no one's analyzing those talks. And there's some really good talks, even at small conferences and large conferences, that you think, holy crap, these guys are onto something. But there's no media around that, and it just becomes an archival, you know, a, a talk. Um, and, and because people just don't have the time, because there's always something new coming, Black Hat, you know, B-Sides, DEF CON, and then there's the, a the whole, all the other local events. Is it laziness, apathy, or indifference? What What's causing the industry to not actually look at this in the right way? I, I don't think, uh, and you, you may, again, you may disagree with me, I don't think there's enough skilled people in our profession. I think we are bottom heavy with people who have got that the basic skill and intermediate skill and that, you know, the skilled people, the 10 plus veterans, there's not enough out there. And if you then think, well, there's a thousand out there uh, or, or 10,000 out there, that's still a low number in, in our profession. Um, you know, when you think of a doctor and you think of doctors who have had 10 years plus experience, there's, you know, multi hundred thousand like in the, in the US alone because they've been doing it forever. Um, they don't do talks when they're 22 or 24, as soon as they come out of medicine. They do the talks in their 50s and 60s. Um, so I, I, I think it's apathy, but I think, I think there's not enough skill in our industry at all. Well, that, you know, you, you may be onto a strong point because one of the things that we've, um, we've even struggled with at our company is always getting 
our hands on a great architect. And uh, those people are rare. And if you get a good one, you keep them and you hold on to them at all costs. Right. And, and, what, and when you're asking for an architect, what are you looking for? If pretend you're, um, you know, I'm your, I'm the your recruiter. What are you looking for in an architect? I'm looking for someone that understands how information flows, and therefore they can understand how to control that flow, regardless of the type of information it may be. At the end of it, we're transmitting. TCP/IP packets of some kind or another, so that are carrying instruction sets. I want gated controls on those instruction sets, but in the context of the way in which we execute business. So, if someone is going to craft a defense in depth strategy for us, that's going to be viable. They must necessarily understand what the revenue chain looks like, how that. Yep. Connects to the supply chain and how that's connected to third-party risk, and then they can start crafting a multi-layered defensive architecture uh, that might. Yeah, I say then you're now at a point where you can start prescribing an approach as to how to craft a spider web that might catch some flies that could kill you. That's and, my and thought. What age do you think? Yeah, it's a great thought, and, and, and you, you've articulated it really well. And, and and I'll say on top of that, you're looking for somebody who understands commercial, uh, it's commercial gains, understands you know the end user, that whole process, you know what we can mitigate because the, the business is always going to come to you and say, well, we accept the risk, and then you've got to come up with you know a supporting architecture around that, you know that those risk ratings, that level of experience. How how many years experience do you think to really captures that in in your mind? Oh my! Oh wow! Uh probably 10 to 15 years easy because you uh, have to have been around the block in different roles. Correct. Correct. You can't Correct. just be an IT guy or a cybersecurity person. You should have done something else. At least you should have touched Correct. some other parts of a business to understand a business. How does it actually function? Correct. Someone to create a billing and materials, a high level design, a detailed design, business case documents that, that they don't fall off trees, then that's why it's so hard to get somebody like that. Well, that, you know, I didn't ever think of it in that context, but you stating it that way makes a lot of sense. And uh, framing it that way, we have a dramatic shortage of talent then. Correct. And I was, a, I was an architect myself, so I've, I've been in the banking sector. So I know what I had to do in that, that arena, thinking you can't go to a boot camp for six weeks or... But what was a bartender now doing stock analyst and now you want to be security architect it doesn't work that way. And I don't want to disenfranchise anyone in the industry because there's a lot of newcomers that will be in your audiences. It's a long haul. You guys are going to be here for 30 years plus. Just, just, just don't expect to be the guru in the first, you know, five to 10 years. But after 10 plus years, the, the industry is your oyster. That, that, that's very true. And that comes with a handsome paycheck too. <laughs> it does. And and the beauty of that, and then you know what you're doing. You're not in a role where you're thinking, yeah, I don't belong here. Like, I don't belong. You actually do belong because you've got the experience to back it up. And then you'll give your client, your, you know, or your contract, the, the, you know, what, what they're looking for. Someone who knows to put, the, put their hand on their heart, pen on the paper saying, this will fix your problem. That's experience. Couldn't agree more. Good. Couldn't agree more. A lot will disagree. 
So you, you mentioned talks. Uh, I got to ask you, you were asked to speak at TED Global and you declined. What's the backstory here? If you can share, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so I, I actually didn't decline. So I, I didn't decline it. I got, for a better word, terminated from speaking at TED. So oh, really? I was asked to, yeah, I, I got terminated. So I, I had been accepted to speak at TED Global in, in New York. Um, and I'd gone through everything. I'd gone through legal review. I was talking about cyber mercenary, so it was it was a cool topic and something that I okay. dear to my heart. And uh, they we went through, like I said, legal review. I actually did practice speeches in front of the whole TED crew, and they said, "Look, the material you're presenting to us was stuff that you did in about 2012. Have you done anything recently?" And I said, "Oh, nothing that I can talk about." And they said, "Well, how can we? How can you show the audience how good you really are?" And I said, leave it with me. And in that period of time, in about a week's time, I hacked into all the TED organizers and presented back to them everything I found <laughs> in their lives, you know, their credit history, the works, uh, you know, where they've lived, where their parents lived, the whole, everything. Now, they weren't too impressed with that. And then my talk was abruptly terminated at that point. So uh, oh. I, I didn't decline. Uh, yeah, well, I, was I was terminated. Well, share with us. Some of the, how did you do it? Uh, so, so that's, for me, that's my normal, that's my normal role. Like I, I'm either a pen tester or I'm a hacker. I'll use the two interchangeably. So for me, that's just, that's the easy stuff. Like I troll through databases of, you know, credentials that are already stolen. Then I just grab username passwords that already exist. And then I essentially go from, you know, no user access to God mode in their lives. Um, usually what I call uh, penetrating the circles of their lives. So, you know, targeting their friends and their relatives and their, you know, uh, workmates and then getting through to them that way. Well, I'm sure people listening to this are like thinking, man, that guy is deadly. <laughs> he could really. Well, they asked me a silly question. They ask a hacker, talking about cyber mercenary, to show how good you are. What did they want me to do? Like go and hack Mitsubishi ah. and show you the evidence? I mean, yeah. you play with a scorpion, you're going to get bitten. That's, that's what I That's what I say. Uh, you know, that's that's absolutely fair. You, you know, yeah. you ask a sniper how good they are. They're going to put somebody right. out at over 1.6 kilometers. What did you expect? Exactly, exactly. So um, I've yeah. got a talk ready to go. I don't know how I'll deliver that talk, whether it be future TED or, you know, future Dark Diaries or whatever, but uh, I have a talk ready to go. Oh, yeah, please online. do deliver it. I, I, I think uh, all of yours are so entertaining and highly informative. That uh, uh, it's just uh, you bring a lot of things out in daylight that are often not discussed. And I keep looking back at process and we keep harping, you know, process, process, process. Look at the process. Involve the people. Get them to understand what they can do wrong and tell them why. Just don't, don't put out policies say that you can't do this. Tell them why. And show yep. them how you can actually really get screwed over if you do something. And you'll get people to play along and now you'll be a much safer organization. But it always seems to be about tech, tech, tech. Do you have the latest MFA? Have have you put in a zero trust framework? Have you <laughs> like, all right, that's great. But have you looked at your processes that actually make you what you are? And, yeah. and, and, and that, goes, that, 
And then that comes down to lack of experience. That comes to the vendor is the tail wagging the dog. The vendor is crapping on at, you know, at a blackout conference, there's zero trust. And we, because we, I say we collectively, we think that these words are important to our, our group because we don't have the experience to say, shut the fuck up and just let us do our thing. We don't need your vendor bullshit in the middle. Let's just focus as a group on what's important to us and don't have the vendor wagging the dog. Oh, man, I love it. Right there is worth the price of admission. For everybody that's listening, you've heard it from the man himself. Uh, you know, if there's nothing else, you guys who listen, uh, get out of this. Kind of follows Chris's methodology. At least take a paper and pencil. Write out your process that you're trying to guard and then try and poke holes in the damn thing. And that right. might be uh, way uh, better. Info <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, I see people's career is analyzing new articles that are on in the news cycle and then talking shit about them on Twitter. And they think that's their value add to the industry. I mean, all you're doing is collecting stuff together and then presenting. There is a forum for that, but that's not a career path. I mean, if you want to do, you know, research solid stuff, analyze a topic of interest, it may not be sexy, it may not be, but follow your passion and you'll find, as you said, the process falls in that system. That's, that, that's phenomenal.